say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the crease. Jameson goes the He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, people, welcome in on this Friday in the Cuse. A little bit of snowy day out and about, huh? Safe out there on the roads. Glad to have you wherever you uh, may be. Cuse, Utica, Rome, all points in between. Wherever you feel like being on this Friday at QSportsTalk.com. Maybe somewhere it's not snow. I'll tell you, man, like, this was like a sneaky little, like, we've had a great winter and that there's hardly been any snow or any issues like this. Sneaky little day today. I almost skidded through a stoplight at like two and a half miles an hour. It was aggressive. Like, well, we're not stopping. Physics has taken the wheel. And the anti-lock brakes are click-clacking away. We eventually did come to a stop before a disaster ensued at one and a half miles an hour. Somewhere on James Street. But here we are, all good today. In the Cuse, getting you ready for the weekend. We'll talk a lot of hoops today. Cuse and Pittsburgh on the morrow at the Pete. Five o'clock tip. There's a lot of weird o'clock tips this year. What 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 is with five o'clock? About four or against it, but like what's up with that? When when did that become a thing? You're confusing me, ESPN. You are confusing me. Five o'clock game tomorrow. Uh, no pregame on uh, these airwaves because uh, Q's Lax will be right here on these airwaves tomorrow. They take on North Carolina. We'll get into that uh, a little bit on uh, the program today. We will be on QSportsTalk.com exclusively. After the game, me and Devo to uh, break it down. Uh, that will be 7-ish. Game starts at 5. We will start at 7-ish, and we'll go as... Uh, Long as needs be gone uh, tomorrow night to uh, break it all down after the game on the Burdick Lexus and Burdick BMW postgame show exclusively this Saturday on QSportsTalk.com. These weird tip times are causing a lot of our QSportsTalk exclusives. If we if we had a nooner every now and again, we'd be uh, free and clear on the the radio airwaves. But uh, thus happens. we got a lot going on over here. Crunch will be playing on uh, these airwaves tomorrow night. Women's basketball team got a... Uh, a big win in margin, not a big win in quality last night against Pittsburgh. They still have not lost to Pittsburgh since 2009, but head into the ACC tournament, not feeling confident about the NCAAs, but uh, certainly in play. The latest bracketology has them on uh, the right side of the bubble by being the last team on the right side of uh, the bubble. So likely against NC State coming up, we shall see. The Orange are the only team in the league not playing this Sunday as they uh, wrap things up, so they will be playing at 2 o'clock next Thursday in the 8-9 game. And if they win, I'd say it's a win and probably it. Lose and hold your breath for like a week and a half. That's a long time to hold your breath, but that's uh, the scenario for the Orange women uh, this week. Guests on the program today, Mario Saka will be along at 3 as per the huge on Friday. We'll talk a little hoops, a little lax, and... Get Mario's uh, picks for the weekend. Get to the man that sort of knows coming up at 245 today. 230, Curtis Aiken is the color analyst for Pittsburgh. He will join us at uh, 230 to get ready for the game tomorrow. And how similar and how different will it be from A, the game Syracuse just played, getting cracked by Clemson 
on Wednesday? And B, how similar or not will it be to the first meeting between these two teams where the Orange were en route to getting cracked, down 20 in the second half, and then lo and behold, what just happened? It's a two-point game. That was one of the craziest ones of the uh, the whole year. Orange were getting run, tossed on the, a combination of things. The uh, doubly named Federico Federico got in foul trouble, foul trouble for Pittsburgh. And the Orange slapped on the press. Then uh, all of a sudden, like, I don't want to say it's a game the Orange should have won. They were down by 20, like, midway through the second half. But, man, it was a game that came down to, like, officiating calls at the end and individual plays, not getting blasted anymore. That one was... Uh, that one got uh, real nervous if you were Pittsburgh late. So we shall see how this goes. And the Orange traditionally have struggled at the Peterson Events Center, as most have, during the years where Pitt was very good. I mean, these are not accidents. Pitt, Pitt's ascension to being a good program was, I'd imagine, not so coincidentally timed with when that building opened. Like that building opened, they were recruiting the, the crap out of New York City, really rose up the Big East with you know, Brandon Knight and Carl Krauser and all those guys. And just didn't lose a lot of games there. Syracuse uh, still remains and will forever be the first team not named Pittsburgh to have won in that building. Well, we'll see if the Orange can go do it this time because I I don't know. I'm not feeling great after the last two games. Not feeling great. My main thought after the uh, last two games is that it is going to be really tough for Syracuse to get through this game because I thought in this three-game stretch of Duke, Clemson, Pittsburgh a week ago, I thought this game was going to be the hardest of the three games. Well, 22-point loss, 18-point loss. (laughs) I hope this is not the hardest of the three games. Because if I happen to be right on that one, whoo boy. Whoo boy, that's going to be a problem if I was right on uh, that one. Because it's not not going so hot in the last two. Like, if this one's harder than those two, then you're looking back at, like, an all-timer bad eight-day stretch for the Syracuse program. Like, combined 40-point losses, and now you're playing a team that might be the best of the three. Like, all three of them. I mean, Duke has the most, quote-unquote, talent of the three. Clemson had been, um, three weeks ago, having the best season of the three. That's evened off a little bit. And now we look at Pittsburgh as the team that might win the league. Like, if they had not lost at Virginia Tech last Saturday, they'd be in the driver's seat for the one seed right now in the league. But currently, they've got four losses. Um, Virginia has four losses. They're both 13-4. and four. Miami has played one more game to this point. They are 14-4. and four. So it's still a you know three-horse race to be the one seed in uh, the ACC. But, uh, like, this is a game that, you know, you're looking at a lot of the factors going in, the way Syracuse is currently playing, the way Pitt has played, not currently, but by currently for, like, the last two months. Like, literally, go back to the the game they played right before Christmas. I'd say that was maybe the first game where you could look at Pitt and say, oh, I think they're good. I didn't think that this morning. I think it now. Now it's two months later. And don't think that at your own peril. Like the rest of the ACC has found that out in spades. 13 wins. 
And then there's the other side of the coin for Pittsburgh. Like, they can't screw around either. This sounds crazy. This sounds crazy for Pittsburgh. They're 13-4 and four in the ACC. 13-4. and four. And this now becomes a daily exercise. Check, and it's not for Syracuse. This is just involving the rest of the league, essentially. It's like, all right. Well, wake up. Let's check the bracketology. We can check the bracketology. Then we can get on with the rest of our day after checking the bracketology. You know, bracketology first. Rest of the day later. But Pittsburgh, like right now, they're 13-4 and four in the ACC. They're a 10 seed. And the way Lenardi does it on ESPN, and, you know, most bracketologists do something like this. He's got his, especially now with the 68-team field, he's got his last four with buys. Buys meaning you're not playing in the the two playing games. Shout out to Dayton. Um, and then you've got your last four in. But right now, Pittsburgh is only eight teams removed from being out of the tournament. They're in the last four with buys. They're top of that list. Like, they're not in danger of missing the tournament. But suddenly for Pittsburgh, like, losing to Syracuse on Saturday... Like playing a you know a rivalry type game and losing for Pittsburgh on Saturday would slide them toward the bubble. It is crazy what is going on with the ACC this year when it comes to looking at things like that, looking at the numbers and how all of that is going. It, it is wild to see stuff like that and how Pittsburgh is being potentially affected. So I, I'm intrigued to talk to Curtis about that. Like he's watched this team for the last two months. This guy knows basketball. He's played and seen a ton of basketball. He can tell us, you know, how good Pitt actually is in the grand scheme. I don't know if they're as good as some of those uh, Pitt teams a decade or so ago that, you know, were legitimate top 10 teams in the country. I'm not saying they're that good. But you look at a Pittsburgh team that's within a half game of the lead in the ACC right now, and you're telling me they're a 10 seed? You're telling me they're between, like, the 36th and 40th best team in the country? That's it? It just doesn't, it doesn't hit my brain right. Doesn't hit my brain right. I'm intrigued to ask Curtis. All right, I tested for us, Curtis. What are we looking at? What are we looking at here? I I don't understand what we're looking at. I need you to somehow make this make sense in my head. Because at the moment, like I'm I'm struggling with the eye test of it, and I know that's not a thing. But, like, Pitt's pretty good. Like, Pitt's got big guys. Pitt's got old guys. Pitt's got shooters. Pitt struggled for the first, like, three weeks of the season, two and a half weeks of the season. Pitt's 18-5 and five over the last two and a half months. And you're telling me you're 18-5 and five in one of the major conferences in college basketball and you're a 10 seed? Now I'm defending Pitt? This is what it's come to? We in Syracuse are defending Pitt? That doesn't fill me with warm and fuzzies on the inside. Defending Pitt? What are we doing? That's what it's come to. Like, they're good. They're going to have to play very well to win tomorrow. And, you know, looking back at the first meeting between these two teams, I just wonder what is going to replicate off from that because it feels like the stuff more likely to replicate is the stuff that's not good for Syracuse. Like, the stuff that went Syracuse's way where, like, Pitt got in foul trouble. Like, Judah Minch drew, I think it was 712 fouls the last game. He's good at that. Well... He's good at that home or road. It's harder to do that on the road. Statistically. It is harder to do that on the road. Like, is Federico Federico going to remain in foul trouble in this game like he did last game? How many times will I say Federico Federico today? 
Probably a lot. It's delightful to say. And then the Orange Press, it worked. We've seen it work in spots this year. It didn't work any better than, you know, the last 10 minutes of the game against Pittsburgh. Like, that stretch of the game is the best that it has looked at any time all year long. That was only went to because you needed it. Do you, and we, we haven't seen the press really hardly at all recently, not certainly of any effect. So, I don't know. Like, you needed everything like that to make it a game at home the last time these two teams met. Now you're on the road. The Orange have not played well the last two games. Pitt has been playing well essentially for two months. Like, none of the outlying eye test factors make you feel warm and fuzzy about what to Syracuse has to offer coming up on Saturday. That said, is this the game that the Orange win that they're not supposed to? Is this it? Man, stats be darned. I know this doesn't actually happen every year, but it sure does feel like it, doesn't it? Like Syracuse always goes and gets one. They always go and get one. Is this the one? If not this one, like you're out, you're out of them. <laughs> There's no other one to go get. Is this Georgia Tech and Wake Forest down the stretch? Georgia Tech is uh, the dregs of the league, not named Louisville. And you know, Wake Forest, they're tied with Syracuse in the standings. That's a home game. That's not one you're not supposed to go uh, get. So you're you're out of opportunities, say, for the ACC tournament of games you can win that you're not uh, supposed to. Like even NC State, which was, oh, man, you beat this great team. And how'd you do it? Syracuse was favored in that game. And they're actually favored in the game. That means you are, what's the word, supposed to win it. So you haven't won one of these big-time games that you're not supposed to win as of yet, and you're down to your last chance. So we'll we'll see how it happens. Like, I'm not I'm not feeling the warm and fuzzies as Syracuse gets set to head to Pittsburgh here uh, tonight to play the game tomorrow. I'm not feeling it. Hopefully the team's got a different vibe, a different vibe amongst themselves. Because externally, just looking at it right now, man, does not feel like we're set up for happy fun times uh, tomorrow in the afternoon. Well, that will take a break. Maybe a little bit of what uh, Jim Beheim had to say on his radio program last night when we come back. Uh, phone lines will be open for your calls as well. 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. Curtis Aiken, Pittsburgh's color analyst on their radio broadcast, alongside the veteran Bill Hillgrove, will uh, join us when we get to the segment after the next one at 2.30. 3 o'clock, Mario Sacco, and uh, we'll continue to get you ready for the game today, including some, uh, I don't want to say crazy stuff, but... Some stuff that uh, will definitely at some point have a direct effect on Syracuse's future as a major big-time athletic program being set down in Tallahassee. We'll try to get to that uh, later on in the program uh, today as well. We'll step aside. Much more to come after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. I threw a wish in the well. Don't ask me, I'll never tell. I looked to you as it fell. And now you. What's going on here as we roll through our second hour? Our second hour brought to you by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. Let's get a little bit of this. Let's get a little bit of the 4 on 1 into 315. Two stories uh, percolating today that um, one is dumb now one is exceedingly disconcerting for later here's the 411 hello and welcome to movie fun if you know the name of the movie you'd like to see press one. <laughs> oh wait you serious let me laugh even harder in the 315 and so you're going to be doing that all week right 
Na. It's time for the 411 in the 315. All right, what's going on? These are two things that both um, came out uh, today. In the NIL world, the NCAA has done a thing about NIL. They're now up to two. The first thing they did was, hey, NIL, it's on. What are the rules? Got to go. They did that two years ago. Um. And now they've done the first thing since then. Hey, you going to watch this or uh, regulate it or do anything? Um, We're out of town that weekend. Their first act of all of the possible acts is to punish Miami for their recruitment of the Cavender Twins on the women's basketball team who are associated with their lead booster, multi-cajillion, bajillion, bajillionaire, John Ruiz, who... I know because it's out there is paying Nigel Pack $400,000 this year to play for Miami. We know that. But the NCAA's problem was the recruitment of the Cavender Twins because there was a tweet out of him having them over to his house for dinner before they signed. This is the problem. Like when NIL was turned on, the whole in theory, original idea that was quickly subverted, as we all knew it would be, was that you would be able to sell your name, image, and likeness to companies and make money. Well, no collegiate athletes have done that part of it better than the Cavender Twins who play for Miami's women's basketball. And they are not in any trouble of this. And Miami got whacked with, like, the lightest possible punishment I didn't even realize this happened. I guess this is why I don't think Miami explained why this was happening early in the season, and I didn't really take note, but their longtime head coach, Katie Meyer, was suspended for the first three games of the season. Now we're told uh, this is why. They're trying to sneak that one through. And what's the fine? They're fined $5,000 and 1% of their women's basketball budget? How can you fine a team a percentage of their budget? Like, that doesn't make sense, like, at all. So the punishment is odd. And the fact that, like, of all of the schools and of all of the people and of all of the anything you're going after for the first NIL thing, you're going after the people that are actually trying to use NIL like NIL. Dumb. Like, the Cavender Twins should be celebrated for what they've done. They are setting up their future. Like, they are working their butts. I read any article. They're doing shoots and advertising and Instagrams and all this stuff all with the sole goal of setting themselves up for life after basketball. And yeah, let's punish the people involved with them. Like, what are we doing? Meanwhile, elsewhere in Florida, this all happens in Florida, does it not? I guess there's a board of trustees meeting. I think it's today this was going on. Their newish athletic director is Michael Alford. And I, I don't know if these meetings are open or if they're just all the words in them have to be open because they're a state school or, or what goes on with... Board of Trustees meetings, like you don't get read the minutes of a Syracuse Board of Trustees meeting. And the meet they do, but uh, have you ever seen like the exact quotes or anything coming out of one? Well, Florida State University is a state school. So FSU AD Michael Alford was explaining to the Board of Trustees, a.k.a. the people in charge at Florida State, that uh, FSU was not getting a fair shake. Wah! From the ACC media deal that FSU was bringing in all the money and then they had to share it. Well, boo-hoo to you. But he pegged it as FSU was making $30 million less a year than they should be making. To translate, 
FSU is making $30 million less a year than he thinks they'd be making if they were in the SEC. That is the translation. There is no other translation of what he is saying. To which the Board of Trustees followed up by asking, well, if we were to leave the ACC, what would the bill come to that? Because right now, all 15 ACC schools, Notre Dame included, are tied into a grant of rights throughout the end of the media contract, television contract with ESPN and the various ESPN properties that runs through 2036. And in theory, this is ironclad. As we know, no contracts like this are actually ever ironclad. But in theory, this is ironclad. What we don't know is what would happen if it was actually tested, as none of the schools have actually legitimately attempted to leave here in recent years since that contract was signed in, what was it, 2016? Something like that. John Swafford's last act. And the number that Michael Alford gave to the Board of Trustees was $120 million to get out of the ACC. That is the first time I have ever seen an actual number put on it. 120. I don't know how he came up with the number, but 120 was the number. So the trustees said, in theory, then in four years we could make up the difference. And he said, in theory. What that was, and okay, if you're the AD of an ACC school, if you're on the board of trustees of a major university, here's what you're not. Dumb. When you are all of that for a state university and you're doing something in that setting, you are all aware that everything you're saying there is on the record. Like, that wasn't leaked. That was not leaked information. That was publicly out there. That is setting the stage for the future. I don't know if that future is a year from now. I don't think it is. I don't know if they're setting the stage to wait 20 years, but uh, Aaron Solomon, the legal analyst who's on Orange Nation every now and again, was on earlier this week, and, you know, it's all in the back of our heads, said the thing about, well, this is all setting down to come down to one big league at some point, and I do tend to agree with him on that thought, whatever the size of the league will be, and who knows that the NCAA will be no more and the schools will reorganize and whatnot, certainly when it comes to football uh, going forward. It would feel that's where this is heading. What what that meeting is today at Florida State, that is Florida State saying out loud that we want in. That is Florida State saying out loud that we are more important than the rest of the league that we are currently in. And that is them officially putting it on record, and that is officially them putting the ACC and everybody else on notice. Now, I don't know if this is for now, for five years from now, for 10 years from now, or when this contract actually does end, uh, which is in 2036, which I guess is only only 13 years from now at this point. And nothing ever quite makes it to the end of these contracts. But them saying that out loud at a board of trustees meeting that they knew was on the record, like that is a, <laughs> that's a declaration of intent. It's not quite a declaration of war, but essentially what they said at that meeting was, hey, Syracuse, you give us some of your money or else. I know that's not the exact words they said. They said, hey, Syracuse, hey, Pittsburgh, hey, Boston College, you give us some of your money or else. That's not anything else. They didn't say anything besides that. And they said that not just to them, but if you look at, you know, revenue and, and football and all that, they said that to darn near everybody in the league. They didn't say it to Clemson. 
They maybe didn't say it to North Carolina. But they said it to almost everybody in the league, certainly when it comes to football and football revenue. Virginia Tech might have raised their hands, and then Florida State would slap it down a little bit. When we were talking football, that's, hey, that's what we're always talking about. And certainly when it's Florida State, that's what we're talking about. That was, that's a threat. And it begins. Where it's going to take us, I don't know. What it actually means down the line, I have no clue. What it's actually going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years, if 2036 is the official start date of something new because the ACC maybe does have a very strong legal contract, I don't know. But if you're the FSUAD and the Board of Trustees saying that stuff out loud, that's what it's going to be. Hey, in the Big 12, Texas got more money than the other schools. How well did that work out for that league? Like, that league's been splintering all over the heck and gone. The ACC, since the grant of rights has been put in place, now maybe it's making less money than the other leagues. It's been the same teams. It has been the one league of the Power Five leagues that has had the same teams. And now the same teams for almost a decade. Good, bad, or otherwise. Now Florida State's saying, maybe not for long. Where's it going to go? I don't know. How fast? I don't know. But that is now I'm sure stuff has actually really begun behind the scenes at other places before that, but like out loud, actually saying that stuff out loud on the record for people to hear and read. That is the first time that has happened. And now we watch and wait to see what everybody else's next move was, but uh, you know, realignment and restructuring and playoffs and this and that and all that stuff that it never ends. It's constantly evolving and, uh, this is the, I think, the official signaling that the next phase is uh, going to be underway uh, sooner than we could possibly imagine. With that, we will take a break. When we come back, we'll get back into the game tomorrow. No wrong answers on what Syracuse has to do uh, tomorrow, or maybe what Pittsburgh's going to do uh, tomorrow in the game at the Peterson Events Center. We'll get into that when we come back. It's an hour brought to you by ICM Controls. Their president, Joe Bonacci, he'll be by on uh, Monday. They have the two ICM Controls, $10,000 impact scholarship, one of them will be awarded. We'll tell you to who and all that. We'll talk to Joe on uh, Monday about that. Joe's also a former Syracuse lacrosse player. It's lacrosse season. What kismet? We'll talk to Joe about lax as well. We'll do that on Monday with our good friends at ICM Controls. With that, we'll take a break. Much more to come after this. It's QSportsTalk.com, he said, and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here we are. Mm. Yes, Kenny Chesney. Feeling not quite that outside the queues today, but we can we can enjoy the mental imagery of it all. Be safe out there if you're somewhere where it's snowing. It was, uh, it was a little grislier than I was uh, mentally prepped for this morning, but uh, we're all in one piece. As uh, we're here in the queues on this February Friday, this final Friday of February. Freaky. Lots of stuff going on tomorrow. Everyone's at Pittsburgh. Women's lacrosse is at Pittsburgh. Pitt's uh, meh at uh, women's lacrosse, so that should not be a big issue for the K-Train and crew tomorrow. I wouldn't figure. And then men's hoops at Pittsburgh. Uh, tomorrow at 5 of the clock. Men's lacrosse in uh, the Dome. 
tomorrow at 3 against Carolina. Women's basketball not playing anybody uh, this weekend. 15 teams in that sneaky league. Somebody's got to not play on the last weekend. This year it is Syracuse. They will next play at 2 o'clock on Thursday in the second round of the ACC tournament against a team that will likely be named NC State, but potentially could be named a different team than NC State. But Syracuse will be in the 8-9 game regardless uh, coming up on uh, Thursday. So uh, no show for me on Thursday. That's the that's the main takeaway from all of that. And that's a little uh, set in the table uh, for the weekend of Syracuse sports. With that, should we uh, should we get into this game tomorrow? Should we tell you what's going to happen in the game tomorrow? Yeah, let's uh, let's tell you what's going to happen in the game tomorrow. What is going to happen in the game tomorrow? I don't know if you're going to like this because I am not highly confident about what's going to happen in the game tomorrow in a good way about Syracuse, unfortunately. So hopefully everything I'm about to tell you is wrong. But the name of the segment means it's not right now. No wrong answers. Give me a boy's name that starts with the letter H. Jose. There are no wrong answers. What month of pregnancy does a woman begin to look pregnant? September. No wrong answers. Something a burglar would not want to see when he breaks into a house. Rob. Naked grandma. Naked, huh? I'm like an animal. Keep your voice down. I'm a King Kong. All right, no wrong answers about Syracuse and Pitt tomorrow. Most of the times I've done this, it's resulted in a Syracuse win. And then I've been wrong after the fact, since we only started doing this uh, recently. But no wrong answers about what's going to happen in the game uh, tomorrow. Pittsburgh, the Panthers, they averaged nine three-pointers a game. When they played in the Dome, they hit 13. We're 13 out of 32. That was the last game. Prior to Christmas, I'm here to tell you that if they hit 10 or more in the game tomorrow, they're going to win the game. And, uh, yeah, they're going to hit 10 or more threes in the game tomorrow because that is what is happening against the Orange uh, defense this year. Pitt is an excellent three-point shooting team, and Nellie Cummings is the most excellent of the crew. In his last two games against Syracuse, one as a Colgate Raider, the other as a Pittsburgh Panther, he hit six threes the one time, and then the next time he hit six more threes. That's 12. He's going to do it again tomorrow. The Orange have not guarded him in two years. It's not starting now. Nelly Cummings is hitting at least six threes tomorrow. He's been on fire of late. He's averaging 15 points a game over the last few weeks. He's going to get more than that tomorrow because uh, six threes gets you at least 18. I got a feeling Nelly's hitting for at least 20. Six or more threes tomorrow for Nelly Cummings. Here's a bold statement. This one is bold. The Orange were down by 20 in the second half against Pittsburgh the last time. Actually, almost won the game. In many ways, they should have won the game, at least how it played out in the last minute. Not that they should have won the game. But Syracuse was down by 20. Bold statement. If Syracuse gets down by 20 again, they are going to lose. I am out on a limb. I have a bad feeling Syracuse will be down by 20 again. Here's something for the Orange. Judah's going to lead the team in scoring again. I feel pretty confident about that because what has happened of late is when things have gone a little awry for the Orange on offense, Judah takes control. He did that the other night. He had 24 in the first meeting between these two teams. Here's saying he gets more than 20 uh, again uh, tomorrow, but unfortunately I don't think it's going to lead to an Orange win. Pittsburgh has won five straight at the Peterson Event Center. The Peterson Event Center will be sold out tomorrow. The Peterson Event Center will be sold out tomorrow and mad at Jim Beheim. 
Here's the main thing that I'm absolutely correct about today and no wrong answers. The Oakland Zoo is going to say some stuff about Jim Beheim that I cannot say on the radio right now. And by about, they're going to say it about and to him. Yeah, they are. And I can't say it out loud right now what they are going to say. Out of all of the no wrong answers that I've given you for the game tomorrow, that one, I 100% guarantee. Because the student section, which runs the length of the court, that the TV cameras point at, and it's right behind the two benches. It's a really cool look on TV. Well, my goodness, they're going to be all over uh, Jim uh, tomorrow. That's going to be, woo. That is going to be uh, something uh, tomorrow. That is going to be something tomorrow because Jim is walking into a buzzsaw. I know for us, like that whole thing, that Thamble article, when was that? Was that like three weeks ago? Man, like we did that. That was that was a lot of stuff. A lot's happened since then. We've heard from Jim like eight million times since then. We've we've heard about, and then we've watched two games where the Orange got smacked since then. Uh, Pitt hasn't forgot. Pitt's ready. Oh boy, is Pitt ready? That is no wrong answers uh, for the game tomorrow. Unfortunately, I don't think Syracuse is going to win this one. It's just not setting up. For that, I thought going into this week, Duke, Clemson, Pittsburgh, that Pittsburgh was going to be the hardest of the three games. Well, they lost the other two by 40. They lost the other two by 40. God help us if this one's harder. Maybe this will be the game that Syracuse reels us back in. They godfather three us back in just when we thought they were out. That's my main hope, and that hope is not based in a lot of rational reason for things like that. That hope is not based in a lot of reason. So we'll see how it goes tomorrow. But right now, I'm not feeling the warm and fuzzies getting you ready for uh, Syracuse and uh, Pittsburgh tomorrow in the Peterson Event Center, where like all the numbers are saying that, yeah, Pitt's the better team. Of course they are. And that is a building that uh, nobody plays well in besides Pittsburgh, especially when they're rocking. It is sold out tomorrow. And it is a buzzsaw that the Orange are walking into. Syracuse and Pitt tomorrow at 5. That said, regardless of how it goes, we will be right here on QSportsTalk.com exclusively only tomorrow for the post-game programming. Take your calls. We'll hit you in the chat. We'll hear a little from uh, Jim Baham. We'll do that whenever the game is over, right around uh, 7 o'clock tomorrow. All right, with that, we'll we'll sneak it clear uh, before we go to break. Pat is with us. Pat, we only – did I hit – yeah, I turned on Pat there. Pat's uh, – Yeah. Yeah, oh, there you are. I hit the right button, Pat. I was fumbling around with my fingers. Uh, we only got a, a couple minutes here, but uh, what, what do you yeah. got here, Pat? So want to directly respond to Jim Beheim's stupid comment that he made last night. And I've already talked to, ah, I'm up to seven different people just, just, just to get their opinions. And these are diehard people. Uh, some of them got a lot more deeper pockets than I, I, I have. They're, they're uh, a little bit more blessed. But for him to say the blanket stupid statement that you're either a, a supporter or a critic that might be the dumbest thing he's ever said. And and you know what? I, I hope that gets him to the beginning of the end because you just can't be any more asinine than to say something so ignorant and stupid. I mean, look at Brent Axe, for example. I don't know who Jim's talking about with these talking heads in town. I don't know if he's talking about Brent. I don't know if he's talking about people who write about attendance, like a nice guy like Mike Waters. I don't know if he's talking about Donna Detolda. I don't know if he's talking about me. I don't really care who he's talking about because he put his foot in his mouth too many times this year. He's got a lousy product on the floor. Um, 
I know for a fact that two of his two of the best players are gone for sure. He's probably going to beg Joe to come back, and Joe will be your point guard next year. So lots of fun ahead for 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 this program. I just want to remind Jim that uh, I was one of his biggest supporters when he was worth supporting with the zone and you know making Final Four runs when we were on the bubble and everybody in this town was writing this team off, and I was saying, guys, there's a chance. And people thought I was a homer. But now he's indefensible, and now I'm labeled as a Bayheim critic. I'm not going to defend a man who treats his players like garbage, is an embarrassment to the university. What is he holding on for? Like, what is he trying to accomplish from next year? There's nothing left. There's nothing left to accomplish. All he's going to do is he has a great career, a great legacy, and all he's doing is working backwards against that. He needs to go, and the university, they really need to grow a set. I'm out. All right, Pat. There's Pat. Um, I think we know where Pat's coming from. on from that. I, I don't know if I quite heard that exact uh, clip from Bayheim last night to really uh, comment on it specifically, but I'll say this. Um, yeah, you can support something and be critical of it at, at times, uh, you know. Fiscally or not or whatever. There's a lot. There's a lot of shades of gray. There's a lot of shades of gray out there. But uh, that's just kind of how it goes. With that, we will uh, we will take not a shade of gray. We'll take a very direct commercial break right now. That is absolute. We must take it now, or else the show is going to run out of time. That I know for certain. We'll do that. Tell you what's on tap tonight and for the weekend when we come back. Uh, come back after this. I'm all frazzled. Here's sportstalk.com, ESPN Radio.